0: to this week's message from Freedom Church. For more info on freedom, visit freedomdl.com. Thanks for listening. We are um, the, in the last week of a series called Grow Up, and today is going to be kind of one of those situations where I almost wish that we would just do a whole other month of it because there's so much to this spiritual maturity. And I mean, and unless God changes his mind about what's next, then, then we'll see, but Today, what I want to do is I want to talk to you about some things that I've noticed in my 25 years of being a pastor um, that are some areas of immaturity, spiritual immaturity in people's lives that if you don't address them, like let me just lovingly say this, as a a pastor and a friend, if you don't address them, your life is going to be chaos. And we see that a lot of times in people's lives, you know. Um, I've noticed several areas where spiritual maturity, it, it, it matters the most It really does in those situations. And so we're going to talk about these four areas. But, you know, you can be as mature physically as you can possibly be. You can be 115 years old sitting in here talking about maturity. Well, when maturity was an old steamship when I was, you know, like, no. Like, like you can be old as you can be, but still be so spiritually immature. So spiritual immaturity and physical maturity have nothing to do with each other, Okay. The goal of today, though, is not for me to point a finger at you and go, oh, you're just a spiritual, immature little baby. In fact, I got some kids in here today. What's up, kids? Everybody say, "Whoa, whoa, kids. Woo-hoo. All right, so I want you to look at your parents right now, and I want you to say, stop being a baby. <laughs> All right, so see, what I did is I got some of y'all spanking later on. You know what I'm talking about? <clears throat> so, uh... The point here, though, is not to to treat you like a child, not to call you a baby, not to say something against you. The point is to to encourage you to step into some deeper maturity in your life when it comes to your relationship with Jesus. That's what it's all about. If you you dig deeper with Jesus, what you're going to find is every area of your life is going to improve. Your relationships are going to get better as a byproduct of your relationship with God getting better. So that's the encouragement today. 1 Corinthians 13.11 says this, When I was a child, I spoke like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. Okay, One of the greatest problems within Christianity is right here in this verse. We have people with adult bodies, but they have childish spirits. They're, They're still children when it comes to their spiritual maturity. A lot of people have entered into adulthood but they're still thinking and operating spiritually as a child. So here's what children do, though. Children long for childish things, don't they? I mean, my goodness, when my kids walk into Los Compadres, (coughs) they're not thinking about the fajitas or the enchiladas. They're thinking about those silly coin machines when you walk into the door. Like, what are y'all guys doing? You're killing us parents with these coin machines. Dad, Dad, you have a coin? We went there yesterday. Audrey brought a little cup full of quarters that she's basically taken off my side table and my office desk for the last year. I mean, she went to town. She was like, I said, well, hey, babe, that one's a dollar. She's like, that's all right. You know, I got this. I'm like, you little kid. And then Bubba's getting some, and then we're getting some for big sister, but but they want toys. They want childish things. They are feelings-driven. You know anybody like that? Um, they throw a tantrum when they don't get their way. <coughs> People just look right forward. Don't look at your spouse. Don't look at your kids. Um, They're messy. They cannot effectively care for themselves. They're constantly needing someone else to sustain them. And unfortunately, here's the problem. Whenever you put an adult uh, adult that has a childlike spiritual mindset into a situation that needs a spiritually mature person, what you get is chaos. I mean, imagine if I had John William come up today to preach this message. Imagine, 1 cor- corinth- corinth- corinthian, Corinthians, like, it would, it would, I don't know that he could do it. And I'm not saying anything negative against my son. I'm saying he's eight. He's a child. He cannot comprehend the depth of what we're going to talk about today. And so some of us, though, we, we, we live our lives in a spiritually immature mindset, and then we wonder why in the world the sky's falling. Okay, I'm going to move on. Um, I have Tony um, somewhere, I don't know, where is he in here? No, he, he was going to be at the back and do like this just in case I was getting too rough and too aggressive. So, Brandon, you might have to do that for right now. The writer gets to it quickly in Hebrews chapter 5, verses 12-14. He says this, For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives... On milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment and are trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. There's so many verses in the Bible that talk about us maturing in our faith, growing in our faith. So the emphasis here today, again, is not condemnation, but it's an encouragement to step into a deeper level of maturity with Jesus than you have right now. He wants you deeper. He, he wants you to the place where that he planned since the beginning of creation. So here's a really good question to ask yourself. What am I entertaining right now that's causing my spiritual growth to be stunted? What am I entertaining right now that's causing my spiritual growth to be stunted? Maybe it's addiction. Maybe it's a mindset. Maybe you refuse to let go of what happened. You refuse to let go of what your mom and dad said about you, or even maybe not what they said, but how they treated you when you were growing up always treating you like you were a burden. So everything in your life right now, you think that you're a burden to people. Listen, that is, a, that is a spiritually immature mindset. Now, I'm not dissing you. I'm not disrespecting you. But I am saying this. God wants you to go to a deeper place than what you're experiencing in that moment. So while there are a lot of things that can stunt growth, and you know, like I said, in 25 years of ministry, there are four that really seem to jump out. And so we're going to tackle those uh, today over the next uh, few minutes. So are you all ready for this? Are you sure? Do you want to grow? I want to grow. I want to get better. I want to get stronger. I want to go deeper with Jesus. So here's the first one, offense. <laughs> yeah, we're going to jump into the deep end, baby. Offense. Someone's like, offense? What does offense have to do with it? No, offense. It's, heart disease is the number one killer in the United States. Did y'all know that? Heart disease. Heart disease. Um, probably because we eat McDonald's all the time. Um, do you know what it is in the church? It's offense. It's the number one killer in the church. Offense is, okay? It may not kill you physically, but it's deadly to your spirit. And what it does is it's like, a, it's like a cancer. Because when one person gets offended, they don't go talk to the person. They go talk to their friend, and then that friend takes on that person's offense. And all of a sudden, we got some little cancerous growth going on in here and it creates issue after issue. And so a person, four people removed from the actual situation, is treating the person like a, a piece of trash just because they're offended because they're offended. You don't even know what happened. Yeah, well, I, know, I don't know, I know what they are. It's like the people you see on these, uh, out there protesting and stuff like that. Say one thing that this person said that you're against. Well, I don't know. They just said, you know, it's the same situation. We cannot take on other people's offenses. Look at what the Word says, Proverbs 18, 19. A brother offended is more unyielding than a strong city. <coughs> and quarreling is like the bars of a castle. Ecclesiastes 7, 21, 22. Do not take to heart all the things that people say, lest you hear your servant cursing you. Your heart knows that many times you yourself have cursed others. Like Solomon was not playing games, was he? Solomon woke up one morning and wrote that and said, I'm choosing violence today, all right? Proverbs 19, 11. Good sense makes one slow to anger, and it's his glory to overlooking offense, isn't that interesting? Glory, that, that's an interesting word right there. If you go back and look at that word, it means boasting in something worthwhile. So uh, that same word is used in a couple other places. That like one of them is when a father is talking about his children, that he 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 glories in his children. Um, another one is gray hair to an old man; it's his glory. It, it, it's what happens when, out of maturity, you overcome. Doesn't that change that? Read that statement again. It says, glory to overlook an offense. What if I said it like this? Um, it's your opportunity to boast in the fact that you're mature enough to, to overlook what somebody's done to you. I don't know if I can. <laughs> because it was fresh to me, not in the notes. <laughs> but again, let's say it again like this, Okay. That 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 out of your spiritual maturity, you boast in the fact that you're able to overlook someone's offense. And I don't mean like hey, they said something to me and I didn't even take it. So what? Do you know? That's not know what I'm talking about. All right, this ain't a country song. All right, <clears throat> but what I am saying is, how much better would your life be if rather than internalizing the offense that came at you? Instead, you tapped into the Holy Spirit who makes you spiritually mature and you realize you're not fighting against flesh and blood, but against principalities and rulers in the darkness. And instead of getting mad at somebody, you overlook the offense knowing that it's probably Satan's plan to keep you at odds with that person because y'all need each other to grow. I mean, my goodness, do we really think that Satan's just going to roll over and let us have solid friendships that help us spiritually mature? Come on, man. Well, you know, like they met, and I know they're going to really be close, and they're going to see more of God than they ever would have alone, so I guess well, I guess we lost, guys. No. Satan's plotting right now your demise in that friendship. Joseph had a reason to be offended, didn't he? you remember Joseph, you all know this story? right? He was his father's beloved son? Coat of many colors, that guy. Um, his brothers hated him, like legit hated him, okay? Um, he dreamed these big dreams, and then he, he was crazy enough to tell his brothers and his father these dreams. Kind of had a big mouth when he was young, you know what I'm saying? Like, hey, look at me, that kind of situation. But then his brothers plotted to kill him, so they dug a big hole. They decided not to kill him, so they just dug a big hole, and they put him in the hole. Slavers came by, found him, grabbed the dude, took him to Potiphar's house, sold him into, sold him into slavery in Egypt, and Potiphar's wife was like, "Oh, he cute," and so all that happened. And so he got thrown in jail, even though he didn't do anything wrong. Right. And when he was in jail, he was there for years. Yep. <coughs> remember the cupbearer? He was like, "Oh yeah, man, I'll remember you. Interpret these dreams. I'll remember you, whatever." No, he forgot him. And then finally, finally, he goes before Pharaoh. He was lied on, taken advantage of, forgotten by the cupbearer. He had every reason to be offended. But read this, read this right here when his father passed away. Genesis chapter 5, 15 through 21. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, it may be that Joseph will hate us and pay us back for all the evil that we did to him. So they sent a message to Joseph saying, your father gave this command before he died. Say to Joseph, please forgive the transgression of your brothers and their sin because they did evil to you. And now, please forgive the transgression of the servants of the God of your father. Joseph wept when they spoke to him. And his brothers also came and fell down before him and said, Behold, we're your servants. But Joseph said to them, Do not fear, for am I in the place of God? As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring it that many people should be kept alive as they are today. So do not fear. I will provide for you and your little ones. Thus he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. Come on, man. When we we take on an offense, (coughs) we judge people. We put ourselves in the place of God and we cast judgment upon them. Yeah. But here's the truth. Offending you is their fault. It's their fault for doing the thing that was offensive. Luke 17.1. It is impossible that no offenses should come, but woe to him through who they do come. Okay? Offending is their fault. But listen to me. Hear me now. This is the spiritual maturity part. Being offended is your fault. Being offended is your fault. Okay? I love you. I've been offended too, so we're in the same boat. We're paddling the same direction. I got you. But it's our fault when we're offended. Colossians 3, 12-13. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another, and forgiving one another, if anyone has a complaint against one another, even as Christ forgave you, so must you also do. What if while their offense was designed to destroy you, your unwillingness to be offended created an opportunity to see people saved? We'd have thought, you know, if they wouldn't have done what they did, then everything would have been cool. No, if you wouldn't have been offended, everything would have been cool. Christians don't take the ball out of their court and shove it into somebody else's. Christians, mature Christians, take responsibility. And when we're wrong, we say, I'm wrong. And when we're right, we don't lord it over people. We embrace, we forgive, we love, we accept, we speak life. Tell me that that's wrong. Like, Show me another way. That is the way of Christ. Being offended is a sign not only of the end times, but also of your relationship with God. Matthew twenty four ten through 12. And then many will be offended and will betray one another and will hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. Offense has the power to force us to draw battle lines against our own brothers and sisters. But when we embrace an offense, we are receiving into our own heart what the enemy through false prophets and lawlessness is spewing into the world. You are becoming a conduit for Satan's lawlessness when you embrace offense. Yeah. It's what the Bible says. So what's the moral of the story? It's simple. Mature Christians refuse to be offended. I ain't saying it's easy. This is, a, this is the 4,300 level of, of Christianity right here. This is tough stuff. This might be even doctor's level. You know what I'm talking about? This takes time. It's difficult. People are going to wrong you. Okay? Go talk to them. Do what Matthew 18 says and go have a chat. And don't go up there like, well, you said this, and you said that. Get your little neck on a little. No, don't be doing all that. Bobbing and weaving and snapping and all that stuff. No, don't do that. Go to them and say, hey, listen, you said this, and I want to take it like this, but I don't believe you meant it like this. Can you help me understand what happened? (coughs) Can you help me understand what you meant when you said this? 99.9% of those conversations, the other person didn't mean any offense at all. It was just a miscommunication. I'm heartbroken, like seriously to my core heartbroken over how many churches have split and how many relationships have been destroyed over something as simple as a miscommunication. But listen to me, even if they did mean you offense, even if they did mean you harm, two wrongs don't make a right. That's what your grandma used to tell you. And that's true. Your being offended is not going to make their offense okay. I'm going to get them back and show them I'm going to know I'm offended. Okay? Struggle. Just struggle. Live in chaos because that's all you get with that. People are going to hurt you. Forgive them. People are going to hurt you a lot. It's going to cut you to the core. It's going to make you want to throw your hands at them and say, you know what? I'm done. Forgive them. Don't you dare let somebody else's bad relationship with God keep you from a good one. God is not going to ask you how much you loved him based on how much somebody else loved him. He's going to ask you, how much do you love me? People are going to offend you. Don't take the bait. Don't take it. You've heard this verse, 1 Peter 4 and 8. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. But this is where Peter got that from. Proverbs ten twelve. Hatred stirs up conflicts, but love covers what? All offenses. Wow. A spiritually mature person will use an offense as an opportunity to act out in love, not as an invitation to act out in hate. Offenses are just stumbling blocks designed to trip you up. So you need to understand the scripture. That leads us to the second one. It's this. First one was offense. Second one is understanding scripture. Psalm 119, 165 says this. Great peace have those who love your law. Nothing can make them stumble. Imagine this. Imagine knowing the word of God so thoroughly that you've gotten a full understanding of who God is as full as you can get on this side of heaven to the point where your ability to, uh, to, to not stumble is so drastically increased that you've, you've pretty much, you pretty much don't have to even pray, God, forgive me for this, because you're walking so close with him. Now, I know some of you are like, that's impossible. Well, okay, maybe. <coughs> well, you know, Jesus did it. Well, he was God. Absolutely right. Yeah, he was 100% God, 100% man. So are we. Okay? Because remember, he put the same spirit that raised him from the dead inside of us. Yeah. So we have that We have that power. So why don't we understand? Why can't we live like Jesus then? I'll tell you why. Because Jesus knew so much more than us who the Father really was. That's why. I write about this in my book called Killing the Orphan Spirit. There's a very specific reason why Jesus was sinless. So... If us understanding who God is will help us to not stumble, then how do we understand who God is? His word. That's how. The Bible is simply a giant book of his character, his nature, and how he interacts with human beings. That's what it is. He's revealing himself through his word. So how is this a spiritual maturity thing? Well, first, if you love God's law, then nothing can make you stumble. I just read it. But second, understanding scripture helps us more deeply understand God. The more we understand God, the more spiritually mature we become. Okay, so here's the problem. First, when we don't know the Scripture, we have a hard time knowing God. Now, the Pharisees and the Sadducees were perfect examples of this. In fact, Jesus was telling the Sadducees in Matthew 22, you're mistaken not knowing the Scriptures nor the power of God. Some of you don't have the power of God in your life because you don't have the Scripture in your life. I'm going to say it again. Some of you don't have the power of God in your life because you don't have the scriptures in your life. Okay? You can't henpeck the Bible, henpeck scriptures, and expect to live this powerful life. You've got to dive into that thing. I don't have time. Okay? We're going to talk about that in the fourth one. But okay, I hear you. I understand. It's crazy out there. It's a crazy world. But here's the problem. Poor understanding leads to incorrect belief. Now, how do we know that? We can know this logically. We don't have to go to the Scripture for this. Let's think logically. Look back on the last miscommunication that you had with a friend. Because they didn't understand the whole story, they thought the wrong thing. We do this logically with our friendships. So, you knowing the Scripture will immensely help you mature. And you can start with easy bits, like the Gospel of John, which, if you don't know anything about the Bible, start with the Gospel of John. You really really need to start with the Gospel of John. Don't go to this verse... First uh, Corinthians, um, um, what is it, 6, 9 through 10? <coughs> yeah, that's a tough one right there. I'm going to let you all write a dissertation on that and, 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 and get with me later on, okay? By the way, what's interesting about this is the next passage is pointing you towards spiritual maturity in verse 11. Look at this, what it says, verse 11. And such were some of you, he was saying, you used to do all those things that were on the screen just then. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of God. That's spiritual maturity. So what does that mean? Go back to the other verse. That means this. If you're still doing this, I challenge your spiritual maturity. I love you. I'll hug you afterwards. I'll give you a hug and it'll be fine. But is this not right? Okay, this is the truth. Okay? Okay. But there's a second part. How can I learn to understand the Bible better? Super easy, all right? just takes about $100,000. Four years of Bible college, okay? Bible college is your choice. Um, get you an undergrad degree. And then what, you, what you're going to do after that, it's really fun, is you stay on an additional two years and get your master's. And if you're really, t- and I'm kidding, guys. You don't have to do all that. I did that for you, kind of. I'm not going to do it for you. Uh, but anyway, Um. Or you can use your GPA. (coughs) Since we're going with the college thing, I'm going to use GPA. The first thing you use is a group. You get in a group. Get in a meetup. Get in a Bible study. A part of why you come to church is to engage with God's people to help you mature in your faith. Do you know something? Somebody might know something about a scripture that you don't know that helps you get spiritually mature. So if you're willing to sit down every Thursday morning with a friend over coffee for an hour and go through the book of Acts, you might learn something. Even if they don't, even if they don't know, guess what you have now? You have a team of people that are working together to find that answer. Okay, what about prayer? That's the P, GPA, prayer. John 14, 26, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I've said to you. So listen, before you get frustrated because you don't understand it, why don't you just stop for a second and ask the Holy Spirit to teach you? You might consider crossing somebody at a Starbucks and talk about the Bible, but what if the Holy Spirit just drops a bomb inside of your mind? Let me give you an example. I'm at my parents' house when they lived um, at another place in Jasper, and um, I just read where Jesus spit on the ground and made the mud and put it on the dude's eyes, and his eyes were healed. And, and I was just sitting there. I was actually in the bathroom washing my hands, and I looked in the mirror, and I said, Jesus, why did you spit? Like, that's gross, man. Like, Why? instantly, before I could even get the words out of my mouth, my mouth, the Holy Spirit said, because I needed you to see it came out of my mouth. Okay, I, I wouldn't have thought of that. That was instantaneous wisdom from the Holy Spirit on that specific verse. I'm just a knucklehead from Jasper. He'll do the same thing with you if you ask him. Last one, A, pray, um, is ask. Ask your pastor. Ask a church leader. Ask your grandma. Um, ask Google. but <laughs> Be careful on that one you might end up on the flat earth society or some crazy stuff, anyway. Don't be offended by that. <laughs> James 4, 2. You don't have it because you're not asking for it. Hebrews 5, 12 through 14. I read this earlier to you. For by this time you ought to be Teachers. Uh, But you need somebody to teach you the basic principles. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment, trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. This is why you digging to the Scriptures is so important, because you need to know how to distinguish good from evil. Okay, so how do you do that? Well, Romans 7, Paul says, I wouldn't know what was good unless the law told me. God's word, his law told me what evil was so I can understand it. So as you read the word, you'll mature by seeing how God interacted with humanity in the past. And then you will allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you on these Bible verses to help you understand. And if you can't get it still then, reach out to somebody in church. They can help. Amen. The next one quickly is Jesus, our personal genie. (laughs) Poke the bear. I think immediately if I dream of genie. anybody else? Come on, we're dating ourselves, you know. the. It's like, um, oh, you need a building, Jason? $4 million. <laughs> as ludicrous as this might sound, ask yourself this question. How often do you get frustrated when God doesn't do what you want him to do? <clears throat> okay. I hate to beat a, a dead horse, but this is how kids act. Okay. Um, for some reason, we're often under the impression that God is going to bend to meet our desires rather than we bend to meet His. But God is under no obligation to make your dreams come true. Okay? God is not a, a, a Disney princess. It's not a Disney fairy godmother. Whoo! pumpkins become carriages. No, that's not how life works. Okay? Immature Jason, though, would get really, really upset about that. what's all this desires in my heart business? Well, the problem is your heart is twisted, bro. And the desires that your heart wants are not in line with what God wants. So it wasn't enough to make me walk away from him, but it was enough to make me question him. But mature Jason realizes something. The only times my dreams that have come true and that they've been fulfilling is when my dreams match his dreams. Spiritual maturity is not attaining a level where his will matches mine. Spiritual maturity is embracing opportunity to have my will match his. (coughs) This is why you get mad at your kids. Kids, y'all listen up. Why mommy and daddy's getting upset is simply because they want you to do what they want you to do. But the problem is that you want to do what you want to do. You want a sucker. They want you to go (laughs) night-night. So what y'all have to do is tell each other to grow up and get in the bed. You know what I'm talking about? <coughs> 2 Timothy 2, 1-5. I charge in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus who is, who is uh, to judge the living and the dead by his appearing in his kingdom. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not understand teaching, but will have itching ears and they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. This last part is what a spiritually immature person looks like. They'll seek a voice to justify their sin. They'll seek a culture that will uh, glorify in their iniquity. They'll seek a God who will amend to their passions and lusts. They don't want a relationship. They want lawlessness is what they want. They don't want a savior. They want a genie. That's what they want. Psalm 119:133 133 says this, God, my steps by your word, so I'll not be overcome by evil. Ransom me from the oppression of evil people, then I can obey your commands. Look upon me with love, teach me your decrees. Rivers of tears gush from my eyes because people disobey your instructions. This is the entire message today in one easy passage. I don't want a genie Jesus, I want you Jesus. I want you and everything that comes with you. Knowing, Jesus, that that might mean happiness and fulfillment, but it also might mean pain. It might mean struggle. It it, it might mean that I I don't get what I thought I was going to have when I was a little kid dreaming of the wide big world out there. I wanted to be a doctor, but I'm not a doctor. I'm doing something else. I I really wanted to be a doctor. I want to be a pediatrician, but people's blood and ooze and all that, that's gross, man, like I could not do it. But here's what I found out. Here's what I found out. Is maturity for me was putting away childish dreams and embracing his plan. That's what spiritual maturity was. And God's calling all of us to do that. And sometimes it's a grand wide scope, but sometimes it's very specific to a situation you're in right now. Let me give you an example. Um, your car is perfectly fine, but you really want that new one. And you probably could afford it, but it's going to put you in a little bit of a bind. So what you do is you follow your feeling and you go ahead and sign that note for another 10 years. <laughs> Rather than being content with what you have. This kind of hit me. Now, the reason I'm using this specific one is because when Monique and I took the camper out last, uh, the first time a couple weeks back... Um, She said, is the truck able to pull it? And I'm like, yeah, the truck will pull it fine. And she's like, you sure you don't need a bigger one? And I was like, hey, I got to keep mama happy, right? Ain't that the rule, boys? GMC 2500 Denali, how you doing? So I went over to Texan GMC where I bought my truck. I'm just looking around. There is a reason why I'm still driving my 1500 Do You hear what I'm saying? <clears throat> I don't need $80,000 worth of. My goodness. The better you understand Scripture, the more you realize He's not a genie. And there are a lot of things about us that need to change. But change never happens until you do this last thing, and that's orient your priorities. Orient your priorities. I want you to read this, until you make the most important thing the most important thing, the most important thing won't mean anything. Until you make the most important thing the most important thing, the most important thing won't mean anything. If Jesus is not the most important thing, then Jesus won't mean anything. Now, How can you say that? I can love Jesus and Him not be the most important thing, False. Christianity is all or nothing. Okay, I'm sorry, but listen to me. Jesus will not, will not be a side chick. God, I don't know, how to say that. I'm not going to say that again. I can't believe I said it the first time. God, I'll, But, but, come on, seriously. How many of you wives out here are perfectly fine with your husband having another wife? (laughs) I'm going to tell you right now, husbands, ladies, y'all ain't got to worry. All right. Because one wife is enough, boys. Come on. Amen. Salud. Salud. Revelation 3, 15, 16. I know your works. You're neither hot nor cold. I would rather that you were either cold or hot. So because you're lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. Here's what's a terrifying thought to me. is the moment we stand before God and we think we've done enough because we've just flirted with Jesus. But we've never gotten married. And he looks at us and says, I don't even know you, bro. It's <clears throat> terrifying. It's terrifying. So how should I orient my life? Simple. God, spouse, family, everything else. Yeah. God, spouse, family, everything else. I'm not married. God, family, everything else. I don't have a family. God, everything else. <coughs> I could spend one day with you and know what you value the most. And I know in two ways. Number one, what you talk about. Because Matthew 12 tells us that out of the abundance of your heart, the mouth speaks. And I could know by what you do. Because Matthew 7 tells us that we'll know each other by their fruits. Nothing should ever come between you and God. Nothing. Nothing. Not even your spouse. Not even your thoughts and intuitions. Not even your heart. By the way, your heart's a moron. Did y'all know that? Listen to your heart when it's calling. No, don't do that. Jeremiah 17 tells us, the heart is deceitful above all things. <clears throat> the culture wants you to just follow your heart, man, follow your dreams. No, it's ridiculous. Yeah, come on. That's true. The only thing you should, that should be between you and your spouse is Jesus. Yeah. Not your kids. Come on. Not the secretary. <laughs> Guys, not your hobby because you need to relax. Relax. Not some old flame that you just friended on Facebook. You're not in high school anymore. Okay? Jeez, man. Not secrets either. Guys, I'm going to talk to you all about this for two seconds. I know I've got to hurry. Guys, stop with the secrets. Now, y'all not, might not be doing something nefarious with some other person, but you might be doing something nefarious with money. Ladies, I'm going to let y'all in on a little secret with guys. Just about every guy I know has a little secret stash where they keep some money. <laughs> love you, fellas. <laughs> wow. Ladies, ladies, once you find it, tithe on it. Come on, Jesus. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I love y'all guys. But let me ask you this. How can you live your life with a secret between your spouse? No secrets 2023. Ephesians 5.11 says this, Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. All secrets do is hide things in the dark. A mature person eliminates that. Your kids need to be behind God and your spouse. Yes, your spouse needs to be more important than your children. I'll tell you why. You have them in your home for 18 years, 25 and with millennials. Uh, just kidding. It's just a joke. Don't be offended. Um, I know the world's crazy and the financial market's nuts. But anyway... For a quarter of a century, and then they go do their own thing. But the person, the 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 wife of your youth, come on, fellas, you better you better have a reason to stay in love with this woman when the kids leave. Because if you just stay in for the kids, you'll leave when they're gone. So you be sure that you are together with your wife. They are not the CEO. Kids, listen to me. Everybody, listen up, kids. You are not the boss. You are subject to the whims of your parents. Leave a check in the box, parents. But listen to me, parents. Little Johnny needs Jesus more than another participation trophy. And besides Jesus, the best thing you can give to your kids is a solid marriage. Kids need to be trained up in the faith, not paid up in Sunday morning league ball. I'm not being judgmental, but what will you think when your kid is 23 and struggling with all manner of issues because they were taught that God wasn't a priority and that church was whenever you can make it? I love y'all. I'm not trying to be mean, but we have an epidemic in this nation of young people who are so completely lost, and I'm less inclined to think it's a result of their bad decisions and more inclined to think it's the result of parents' disoriented priorities, Proverbs 22, 6 says, train up a child in the way they should go. When he's old, he won't bef- depart from it. Listen to me. Don't you dare believe that verse or not believe that verse, but do believe John three sixteen. You can't pick and choose which verses you believe. If you want to orient your life, it needs to start with orienting your relationship with Jesus, then your spouse, then your kids and everything else. You need to understand, it might require you to reach out to a pastor or a church leader. Y- you might have to talk to some friends. You might have to talk to a therapist. It's fine, okay? If you say you don't need any of that, then just continue on enjoying the same level of dysfunction and spiritual maturity that you're living in right now. Knock yourself out. But if you want to see change, you have to be willing to change. And that might mean change your methods, change your inputs, change your thought patterns. You just might have to change everything. And a mature athlete says, I'm tired, but a mature one says, whatever it takes. I'll never forget Sam Smith was a baseball player I played with in high school. He went pro with the Colorado Rockies. Every morning before he came to school, he hit 500 baseballs. Every morning. 4.30, his neighbors, all they heard was, dink, dink, a baseball bat hitting a ball. It's dedication. That's the dedication it takes for you to be the level of Christian that you want to be. Okay, and the last thing is this. The eternal should always take precedence. Always. So what's going to impact your eternity should always matter the most. Okay? Matthew 10, 28. Do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot uh, cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both the soul and the body in hell. Too often, we think the only way this can happen is a demon or something. But it can be something that seems good, but that causes you to stray. Too often, Satan uses what we deem as insignificant simply to derail us. So, why am I being so aggressive about this today? It's because I'm a big meanie. That's it. It must be a life or death situation, right? <coughs> For me to talk this rough about it. But no, it's worse. It's an eternal situation. Okay, that's the problem. So, when we stand before the throne, we better be mature. <coughs> we better know Jesus. Now, listen, if you got sa- if you get saved today or got saved yesterday and the rapture happens this afternoon, you're You're good. You're good, don't worry, you're good. But if you've been saved for 25 years and you're still struggling with the same stuff, can I tell you something? With all the love in my heart I can muster, grow up, grow up. It's time to mature. Will you pray with me for a moment? Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for the opportunity and the call to go deeper with you. We thank you that you're inviting us to that, Father. And so right now, across this room, God, there are some decisions that need to be made. Somebody might need to just jump in for the first time and say, I'm all in with you, Jesus. I, I, I receive you as Lord of my life. I'm putting away all these silly, idiotic thought processes and ideologies and maybe even other religions that you've toyed with. But I'm saying yes to Jesus and I'm all in today. <coughs> but God, maybe, maybe some people in here need to say yes to just growing up. So church, I want to ask you this. What do you need to do today to start maturing? Maybe you need to just go all in with Jesus. Maybe you need to answer the question, what's holding me back from growing? Maybe we just need to come and bear it all on the altar. I don't know what it is. But whatever it is, I'm inviting you to do that today. Father, I thank you for these people. God, and as our prayer team comes in this moment, God, I pray that you would speak to us specifically about what we need to do. God, I realize that that things might not be solved instantly in this moment at the altar. God, we we believe you can do it. We believe in that. But God, it might take some time. It might take a process. It might take some meetings together with people. It might take some coffee on Thursday and whatever. God, it might take some steps. God, I'm asking you to give your people the courage to take the steps they need to take. We, Jesus, we love you. We thank you so much We thank you that you've called us to be more mature than we are today. God, you're not asking perfection. You just want us to be one step better than we were yesterday. And God, we embrace that and we thank you for it. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. At Freedom, we want to help you have authentic relationships with God and his people, to have real experiences with the Holy Spirit, and to find lasting freedom. If the Holy Spirit speaks to you through this message or if you want to make a decision for Jesus, please reach out at freedomdl.com slash connect. For more info on freedom, including service times and location, visit freedomdl.com. Thanks for listening.